HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Brooklyn Botanic Garden, a stunning 52-acre garden in the heart of Brooklyn, open year-round. Learn more at bbg.org. This week on Meet and 3, it's our season four finale, and we're sharing some of our greatest kitchen joys. Maybe most people consider making it too much work or too messy, but this is the food that's worth the work and worth the wait. You always know where the thing is because you put it away the right way the first time. You just sort of stand there and, you know, with your hand on your hip and one leg outstretched, glass of wine in your hand, staring into the refrigerator going, okay, speak to me. Oh yeah, what are you doing with the celery tonight? I'm making a simple syrup for a gin cocktail with the celery. And I also found a recipe for a celery soup that's going to use up the celery and the potatoes and some of that dill that we still have hanging out in there. <laughs> Tune in and be inspired to find the joy in your kitchen. And don't forget to subscribe to Meat in 3 wherever you listen to podcasts. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The devil them rhythm and blues that sound. It's gonna get you Welcome back to the Speakeasy. I'm Souther Teague, and I'm here at Tales of the Cocktail 2019, um, hanging out at the Diageo Jazz Feast um, with uh, barman proprietor Sean Kenyon of Denver, Colorado. Sean, welcome. Welcome great. to my makeshift mobile studio. Yeah, great to be here hanging out with you, brother. <laughs> Super comfortable hanging out in the hallway. Um, uh, dude, you are, um, I mean, you kind of go without need of, rec- uh, of, of introduction. Um, people know who you are because of your reputation. You've been in this game literally all your life. Talk to me about a little bit. I don't, I don't need your whole CV, but like, talk to me a little bit about like, what got you kind of going, and, and then we'll talk about what we're doing now. Well, I, I, can, I can easily say that I'm the only person that I know that is doing at age 50 what I wanted to do when I was five. I, w- I wanted to be a bartender. You know, I saw what my, what my father did, what my mother did later. What my what my grandfather did, and I saw, you know that that people love them. They they were magnetic. They they were the life of the party. You know, and people really enjoyed being around them. Not just them, the people that work for them as well. Um, you know, I grew up as a as an overweight kid, didn't have a lot of friends, got made fun of a lot, uh, even in my younger years, bullied a little bit before I grew up. Um, and the bar the bar was home for me as much as being at my house was. You know, the, the when I would go to school and people were cruel to me, I would go to the bar and everybody loved me. You know, I was I was my father's son. They were, you know, my my mother always referred to them as my drunken uncles. But you know, the the bar the bar regulars became my family and became a safer place for me than than outside of school. So I've I've never I can't remember a time where I didn't want to be part of this when I was older and and w- didn't want to be the person who was standing behind the bar and making everybody happy. And <clears throat> even though I went to school, you know, I went to college because my dad didn't want me to be a bartender. I, I, I still, you know, I bartended all the way through and, and still pushed through and, 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 you know, made it, made a career out of it. I mean, it wasn't until just a few years ago where people stopped asking me when I was going to get a real job. Yeah. I still, <laughs> I still face that as well. Um, and I think it's, just you know, let's let's compare financials. That's usually yeah. what I say. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> let's compare financials. Yeah. Open your books. I'll open mine. Um, so you got your start in your own family's bar, right? Yeah. You were, I, you were relating a story to me offline uh, about um, your first sort of 
getting pitched behind the bar and, and that sort of oh, yeah, you got, you got yeah, the hackles yeah. of, you got you got your dad's hackles up a little bit yeah you know the the bartending he, the bartending started as a as a fluke you know a guy went out on July 4th and and got wasted and didn't show up to work on July 5th and i was barbacking and uh you know it was it was you know everybody looking at each other you know like what are we going to do what are we going to do you know and there i am you know a 16 year old and they're like well Sean knows what he's doing. You think he can do it? And I was like, yeah, of course I can. Yeah. <laughs> Young man bravado. Yeah. I can do everything. Yeah. Of course. I, I can, can do, do this. Everything. No problem. Uh, and, and, you know, it started that way. And, and it, ran, <clears throat> it ran for a week or so until my dad got back into town. And, and, you know, he yelled at everybody and, you know, called him in for a meeting, screamed at him for an hour. And then on my way out, on my way out, they, you know, as he, or on, sorry, on their way out, uh, you know, he looked at him and he was like, well, how do you do? <laughs> and you know after all the yelling and you know i think there was a there's probably a proud moment there and and they let me continue to do so yeah i heard you had uh you had to have a fake id yeah a fake that ID. you weren't allowed to leave with yeah a fake id posted behind the bar <laughs> that that i wasn't allowed to take i mean not that being 18 would have gotten me you know done me any good it because it had just turned back to 21 right in new jersey i think in like 19 1980 something like early 1980s so mm-hmm. 18 could have it could have bought me cigarettes but i wasn't a smoker so it really yeah, didn't matter that much yeah um but that's great and you know i think a lot of bartenders like us uh, have origin stories that are maybe not as unique as that one but but i feel like origin stories for bartenders are kind of like well i just lucked into it i stumbled behind <laughs> the bar all this crap but you have this sense of home when you think about a bar that i think is is pretty unique and and then even your your, your first shift sounds very unique and like expound on that a little bit if you can. You know, I, like I said, it, it's always felt like home to me, and I grew up watching not only um, not only my father taking care of his guests like they were like they were at home, um, you know, they were in his home, but you know, his bartenders doing the same, and then he took care of his his family, his staff. You know, I mean, he still called them staff or bartenders. You know. Um, and I brought that into my own bars. Like, I, I always wanted to create a home-like environment, you know, for everybody. Like, you know, I, I think I, I've said it before, is, you know, build a, build a family, don't hire a staff. So we treat everybody. Because when I grew up, when I grew up, the bartenders and, and servers and dishwashers and kitchen people, those people came to our house, you know, they came over to my family's house for Thanksgiving and Christmas and the like. And, and, and it was... You know, I saw that he, he treated everybody, no matter what position they were in in the building, as equals, you know. And, and I learned, he never sat me down and told me that, but he, he did, you know, I did learn by, by osmosis. And, you know, and he seems to be, my father's one of those people who's like super wise without knowing that he is. Um, right, well, I think that's true of a lot of career bartenders. You, know, yeah. you, you log enough years literally communicating with human beings. You pick up wisdom, yeah. I and mean, whether you, you know, are aware, I think sometimes a lack of self-awareness of how wise you've become. Yeah, and it's it's crazy, it's crazy because I, I, you know, I quote my father all the time, and 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 he always, you know, he'll, he'll even says stuff like, "I never knew I was that quotable," <laughs> you know, or <laughs> I don't remember ever saying that. I never said that. I was like, "Yeah, right. you did. I learned it from you, Dad. <laughs> yeah, I learned it exactly from you." Um, but yeah, the home the home part I think about, you know, because when we build our staff, we look at we look at family chemistry, right? I mean, everybody's, there's going to be your parents, there's going to be your older children, your middle children, your younger children, you know, the cousins, the kind of outliers, but you're building, you're building a, a chemical unit, right? You want it, you want it to mesh well. You want, if you hire all type A personalities, you know, that, that are just driven and, and pushing towards the top, then in the end, you, it's going to end in disaster in my, in my mind. I mean, you have to have leaders, followers, and people that can adjust to both um, to make it work. I mean, it, it's, we're, at, we're at a point where we could have hired, hired whoever we wanted in town at one point. Sure, you know you're, I mean? you're, uh, Sean Kenyon's opening up a place. People are lining up to get there, right? But, yeah, I mean, and that's different now. Like, there's so many bars in Denver. When we were opening, we were one of, we were one of only two existing new cocktail bars in town. I mean, there was, there's been a couple that were around for years, but at that time we could have had our pick and it's, you know, you don't, you don't just pick all the number ones, you know, it's not, if you're trying to build a team that lasts, you know, you don't pick all the number ones. You don't want a marquee, you know, of, of headliners and support it, you know, like all that up front and put people's names up and stuff like that. I think 
because you want them to think like a family, you know, and they act like a family. But without even, we never consciously told them that's what we were doing. You know, everybody was hired because that was, that was, um, you know, the, they were the right, they were the right position at the right time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think you made a, I'm terrible at sports, but you made a sports analogy about this. Uh, you said, uh, you know, that's why the All-Stars only play once a year, right? Because yeah. they wouldn't last I'm, as a team yeah, all I mean, year long. It, All-Star teams play once a year, and that's the only way they could really exist. I mean, it's, if you put all number ones on, and there's a, there was a bar in Denver years ago that did do exactly that. They hired all these people who ran programs from around town. Um, and they were, you know, they were like, they kept in the media, they kept pushing, like, look at all these rock stars we hired, look at all these rock stars and referring to them as rock stars. And in my mind, I was just thinking like that might, you know, that can't, (laughs) that can't last. I mean, it can be, it can be great for, it can be great for a while. And, you know, you can get some, some talent and some creativity out of it. But, you know, when it gets into the normal grind of, you know, of running your bar every night and taking care of guests every night, egos are going to clash at that point. You know, I mean, it's that's it, it just can't that I think that the whole thing lasted for them about two weeks before the first person quit. And then it was like dominoes, dominoes. Yeah. Everybody just quit until nobody was left. I get that. You know, I think um, I think my teams are super small, like four of us. Yeah. So I can get away kind of with hiring all, all stars because yeah. because we, we work alone. Each of us works a shift by ourselves. Yeah. Um, but when I hired for my newest bar, which is much bigger. Yeah, I had to be like, okay, well, I need a pitcher, I need a catcher, I need a, yeah. you know, a guy who can hit. Like, I can't just hire all pitchers or we got a, a baseball team. Yeah, you can't have all home run hitters. Right. You know, we're going nowhere. High right? strikeout rate. <laughs> you know, I mean, <laughs> right. it's, it's, you need people to set the, set the table too, you know, if, it, if you want to go deep into sports analogies there. You know, but it, it's, I, I think, you know, when you think of that as a chemical unit and whatever works for you, you know, I mean, because it was amazing. I, t- I took Leo, Leo DeGroff came with me or came with us um, on one of our staff trips, which we do every year. And, uh, you know, he remarked to me afterwards, he's like, your staff is so close, it's amazing. Like, there was no clicks. You know, like, we have 18 people, and it's not like people separating off into clicks. Everybody was just together. Yeah. And when everybody went out, everybody went out together, and nobody was stepping away from the group. They wanted everybody to experience everything, you know, as a unit, which, yeah. is, which is great. Because you can do that on your work time, but when you get in your off time, that's when you see how people really feel about you, right? Or how they feel about each other because they can tend to separate and move around. But on their, on their off time, on, their, on their, their relaxing time, they still chose to be together, you know, rather than trying to, you know, on their free time because there was free time built into the whole thing every day, you know, they still stay together, which is great. Yeah, that's a pretty pr- powerful visual statement. I mean, what do you think it is that you're doing other than, you know, trying to pick out a, a team that has a, a, a you know, full roster in this continued, uh, you know, metaphor, um, what is it you think that you're doing that's cultivating that sort of kinship among your team? I, I think it's, it's, tough? I, it's, it's tough. It really is. I, I think they have to see that, that I care, that I, you know, that I, that I care about them as individuals before I care about, before I care about the money and the ring and the shift. You know, I care about them. I want to know who they are. My my interviews are very, my interviewing style is very, it's not very um, standard. You know, I mean, it's not it's not cookie cutter. I, I don't, I'm not going to ask people like, if you were a tree, what kind of tree would you be kind of thing. You know, it's like a, it's, it's, I don't really ask interview questions. It's not my, I don't care. I can find out about your work history. I can find out, you know, I can find out, you know, from, from your bosses, how you handled situations. I want to know about you. Right. I want to know who you are. I want to know that you have a desire to um, that you have a, a natural desire to take care of people. I take people out to a coffee shop to start, you know, like and I I let them order their own coffee and I'd see if they I like I'm watching them the entire time. But I, I, I'm not obvious about it. I'm not staring them down. But, you know, I want to see if they treat the person behind the counter like a human being and not like a vending machine. You know, I want to say, I want them to say hello. Like I do that. I walk into a convenience store. I say hello to everybody. It's never just a, a quick one-on-one transaction, but I want them to say hello. I want them to, you know, maybe ask them how they're doing or whatever, just, but it, but want to interact with the human behind the, behind there. That's a step. It's not going to make or break depending on our conversation. Sure. You know? But you know, second step is second step is my second interview is usually at a bar somewhere, you know, not, and not trying to get anybody drunk, you know, just to have a drink and, and also see how they interact with people. But, you know, once they get into an, an uncomfortable comfortable environment like a bar that we're hanging out in, you know, whether they drink or not drink, and it's not a test. If they don't want to drink, that's fine. But I like to see what they look, where they are when it's more relaxed, you yeah. know. And I have a drink. 
um, you know, and, and they're welcome to, but some people do. Some people think it's a trick, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but for, for us, I think checking in with them individually, regularly. I send, I send texts to my staff all the time just to see how they're doing, you know, or I'll see that they got a great review. Um, you know, whether it be on, on Yelp or Google or whatever it is. Oh, Sean, yeah. Don't, you, don't be started by Yelp. You know, yeah. Oh, don't, I'm not, you know, I don't put any, I don't put any stock in it. Nobody's get, nobody gets yelled at for one star reviews or any I, of that I'm, stuff. But. I'm notorious and been on record many times as saying yeah. I have never, and I will never read Yelp. I sleep better than you. Good guaranteed. for you. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I can't even. That's, that's awesome. I get the, I get the alerts and I look at them every once in a while. I don't keep it. I'll keep an eye on our rating, but either way I check in with them a lot. And I think I don't think there's a single person that works for us that that doesn't know that I care about them as individuals. But it also, you know, that makes it makes it hurt that much more when they leave. You know, we've not had many over the years. We don't like we've not our turnover rate with bartenders is extremely low. You know, I mean, we might lose one every couple of years. You know, that's incredible. And and, you know, we just had one one just took a national uh, brand ambassador job, Valerie Alvarado. She's amazing. And, you know, it, I knew she was looking for the next thing and I actually helped and recommended, you know, recommended her for the job and, you know, but still when, you know, when you get the, I took the offer yeah, text or, you know, the, the conversations, it's difficult. It feels like you're like your heart's getting ripped out a little bit. It's like a member of your family leaving or, you know, being a parent and your kid goes off to college for the first time or they're gone. Right. You know, and, it's bittersweet. And, you you yeah. want to you want to see them go on, but you also like, fuck, yeah. man. And I mean, you know, just hang like out with me it, some more. I <laughs> wish we could have kept her for good, you know. But it's but people move on, and now now she'll be sitting on the other side of the bar, spending brand money, and you know, hanging out. She'll still be around, and and that's ex- that's exciting for us. But I think it's caring and actually caring about people and having conversations and eye contact and and remembering you know remembering what's going on with them and and being sensitive to things. It's, a, it's much different than when I started in this business. I mean, I was pretty much one of my first manager, McKay, was a hard ass. I didn't care what your problems were as long as you were good behind the bar. You know, it took a long time to, to mature into where, where I feel now. And sometimes I think it's almost to the detriment of the business side because I don't talk about how much they rang or what their numbers were last night. All those things happen because we, we set the table you know, it's a build it and they will come philosophy, right? They, we set the table. People are happy. They're going to radiate that out to the guests about, you know, about how happy they are in their own workplace. That, that positivity kind of reigns and the money comes later. Like it, it's there. We have, we have a, an assistant general manager and, you know, accountants that do that stuff. And I, don't, I honestly don't think about the money in any way. And I know that sounds altruistic and, and like bullshit. I disagree. I, I'm, I'm yeah. kind of the same way. Yeah. I, I, I know if everything's in place and working correctly, yeah. then that's just part of the equation. Yeah. It'll just be there at the it, end. It's, uh, at the end, there it is. Boom. And it's, yeah. it's there every day. It's, um, to me, to me that, you know, there's, there's, there are people, there are accounts. I'm a, I'm a creative. I'm, I'm terrible. I'm terrible at organizing things inside, you know, within, within spreadsheets and all those kind of things at work, at, at the bar. I mean, when I'm doing them for events, I got that stuff down. Right. But, you know, there, my, my priorities are to that everybody's happy, you know, and, and that, that, that we've set the table for the people to come in and us to take care of them. Well, I love that when you say, well, I can see it in your eyes. When you say, yeah. I'm, I'm there when I, I want everyone to be happy, you're saying my staff, yeah. you're saying the guest, you're yeah. saying the guy who brings the citrus, you're saying the guy who drops off the booze. Yeah. You want everyone to be happy. Right. And I, I, and can, I can really see it and hear it in your voice when you say it's, it. It's, it's funny. You see, you see these bar managers that like whip on their distributor reps and, you know, they beat them down and they, they treat it like it's, a, like, it's a, like it's a challenge, like it's a me versus them thing. If you bring them in and, you, and you, you know, they become your friends and you treat them like one of your own, then they naturally want to take care of you however they can. If you're beating them down all the time, they're going to fuck you wherever they can. Yep. You know, no matter how powerful you believe you are in your own, in your, in your own market, they, if you treat people poorly on the distributor side, then they're not going to help you out where they can, whether there's allocated items or whether there's price, price breaks you can get. They're not going to call you for a price break. If, if they're going to call you to let you know time. that you could save money. You right. either find it or you don't find it. But I've sat at bars, at other people's bars, because my ears are always open. I can't, you know, we can't turn off our eyes and ears when we go to places, right? And, and listen to bar managers just destroy their salespeople. And, and, you know, I mean, just not, 
not treat them, you know, not treat them very well. So it, it, it's everybody, yes. It's not just the people that are working under the roof. It's the people that, that we do work with that we want to treat well. Yeah. Sean, that sounds like a great point to pause. Just got to pause for a commercial break here from our sponsors here at Heritage Radio Network. Uh, you're listening to The Speakeasy. Uh, my guest today, Sean Kenyon from Denver. Stay tuned. This episode is brought to you by Brooklyn Botanic Garden, a stunning 52-acre garden in the heart of Brooklyn featuring spectacular plant displays year-round. Mark your calendars for Saturday, September 28th when the Chili Pepper Festival returns to Brooklyn Botanic Garden. At this all-day celebration of all things hot and spicy, indulge in sizzling bites from 40 food artisans. Enjoy spicy food demonstrations, foodie-friendly tours and talks, activities for kids, and live performances by musicians and artists around the garden. Stay through the evening for a special concert that brings New Orleans to Brooklyn. Festival goers can jam out to the legendary New Orleans musicians John Papa Gross, Walter Wolfman Washington, and New Orleans Queen of Soul, Irma Thomas. Joining the fun will be Big Chief Monk Boudreaux, bringing the traditions of the Mardi Gras Indians to the heart of Brooklyn. Learn more about Brooklyn Botanic Garden at bbg.org. Do you love this podcast? Heritage Radio Network has plenty more. We have over 35,000 shows in our online library. My name is Jennifer Leutzi, and I'm the host of Tech Bites, where we talk to innovators and influencers in the food tech space. You can find Tech Bites wherever you listen to podcasts and on heritageradionetwork.org. Thanks for listening. And welcome back to the Speakeasy. I'm here at uh, Tales of the Cocktail 2019, hanging out with Sean, Sean motherfucking Kenyon. That was your moniker for a while. Yeah, I mean, with the middle name is Michael Francis. I never knew that part. Yeah. <laughs> it all comes together. Yeah, it's that that's also Dave Wondrich's fault. It was like whenever I walked in a room that's how he would refer to me and other people picked up on it. Yeah, and that's where we are. Uh, I'm going to apologize just one more time for the background noise, but we're in a we're in a working uh site right here, so noise is going to happen. Um so just t- turn your radio up. Um Sean, you've got three now places in uh, Denver, Colorado. Uh, your first baby was uh, Williams Graham. Well, God damn it. Fix me. Williams and Graham. Williams and Graham. Uh, then you opened Occidental and most recently American Bonded. Talk about the, uh, that, the, that lineup, what, what, what makes them special uh, and how you, how you deal with them. So they're all, all three bars are very different. I've, I've made a, I, I took a long time to open my first bar. I turned down 18 business plans all together um you know i still have a lot of them sitting sitting around but it just until something was right i didn't want to do it and i also didn't i was super comfortable working for other people you know i mean getting all the benefit but none of the headache you know and and i you know by headache you mean responsibility i know know exactly what you mean yeah yeah i mean it was fun being a bartender with no responsibility outside of you know outside of what's going on inside your doors Owning a bar changes that. You know, you're responsible for the people. The, you know, you say one wrong thing on the social media, and your bar gets people stop coming to your bar. You've just affected 40 people's jobs, right? Right. So can we can we actually take a detour and talk about social media for a second? Yeah, you're, sure. You're, you're like a loud voice. <laughs> yeah, you know. Um, I mean, I, I follow you on all of it, and, and when I see you say something, I'm typically like nod my head in either agreement or disagreement. But then I look and see like. 400 comments in the last hour. Yeah. Like, people listen to you. You well, are engaging. Yeah, so you have to be very careful, right? And and I think, you know, people... I got this reputation for a number of years about ranting about things. And, and you know, people would send me texts like, we, we're looking forward to your next rant. It's like not... It's not a plan. Like, it's not... Right. I see things... I see things and I know I have a platform. I have, you know, I have... 5,000 followers on Instagram and Facebook and all that. It's not even not a lot compared to some of my friends. It's just that they're engaged with you, though. They respond. That's that's more powerful than 20,000 that don't respond. It's it's an engaged group, and it's people that care about what we care about as an industry, you know? And I've I've really worked on, on, on making sure that my messages contain positivity, even though it might be something about what's going, what's wrong with our industry, you know, this is where we can be, you know, is, where, is what I want to present. Um, I'm lucky because I get a lot of people that can't respond for brand reasons or whatever that, that send me direct texts or direct messages about, you know, like, I really love that. My brand can't, you know, because of my brand, I can't comment on it. But 
you know, I've, I've seen a lot in this industry. I've, you know, I've done a lot in this industry. I'm, I'm lucky to be involved in it and it's, I'm constantly, you know, I want to be able to share and I want to be able to listen too. you know, the hard thing about social media and where everybody puts us is that it's really hard to listen while you're screaming all the time. Yeah. You know, so you have to, you have to, if you're, if you're going to throw something out there, you have to stop and listen to the responses to it. You know, you can't just post and then not look at any of your comments or anything, because if you're, you want to engage, you know, and something you've said may have, may have hurt a sector of people or may have hurt, you know, a person or a group or brand, you know, then you want to know that you have to listen and you have to be, you can't just go rant, 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 rant without any kind of reprisal. I mean, I, I pretty recently heard this, the, the, the ratio, right? You have, you have two ears and one mouth, so you're supposed to listen twice as often <laughs> as talk. Yeah. I mean, that's, that, that, that's great. I love that. I've never heard that. But I just I, heard it recently. I fucking love it. It's true. And there's, we have a, you know, there's a bunch of people that, that all want to talk about what's wrong with our industry. Right. But I think the better approach is to be like, what can we do better? Sure. Right. That, think about Pro- what's proper wrong. a solution first, right. rather than just bitch look, about the problem. Look where we are. I mean, if, if you think about, you know, I've been bartending for 34 years. The last 12 years, well, it's, yeah, I mean, last 12, two, even 14 years, 15 years, that's been a completely different part of this industry for me. You know, I may have ended up owning a corner bar somewhere, um, you know, but the way the cocktail renaissance came about and, and, and that, that's, what, that's what really changed it for us. I mean, if we keep on building our, building people into rock stars and treating them like such, it's kind of antithetical to what being a bartender is, right? You know right. I mean? There's supposed to be a certain amount of humility and taking care of your guests is your most important thing. If promoting your own agenda is more important than, you know, taking care of your peers, the hospitality you show to your peers is as important as the hospitality you show forward, right? And you're constantly attacking your peers. That's just, you're, you're a hypocrite. Yeah. You know, so I try, I try to make the things that I, that I express, you know, this is, we can do this much better. We can do it. I mean, just recently talking about, you know, fake, fake whiskey origin stories, you know, like that, that, that I ranted about that a little bit, but it is, you know, I'm, I'm, I am honestly, if you show me a whiskey and taste me on it and I love the taste of it and you're not telling me a bullshit story, I don't care who made it. If yeah. you're, you're packaging it and I like it, I'm going to drink it. If the value is right compared to the compared to the product that's there, I'm gonna I'm gonna drink it. I'm gonna sell it. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna do it. But I don't need. It seems insulting. You know, I mean, it seems insulting for somebody to tell me some bullshit story about how they found this recipe in an old box in a room in an attic somewhere. And you know, it, that, it, that kind of stuff is is you know. But that's the stuff that I think that our industry can do better. And I think that brands can show more respect to the bartender's intelligence than have to show to the bartender and the consumer. You know, you're just assuming that your consumer is a dupe that you can, you know, you know, a rube that you can rope into your story and have them, have them eat it up and literally drink it. Bartenders are a little bit more skeptical to those kind of things. You know, we look at the world through a little bit of a skeptical. Consumers want it. Yeah. Want a great story to tell, you know, about this bottle that they bought, but at least let them tell it, let them tell a true story. Yeah. (laughs) You know I mean? If you're two guys that just had an idea in a bar one night to open a whiskey brand and you work your asses off and that's a good story too. You know, yeah, that's a good story. Let's you know, go with that story. Let's go with the truth. Right. I mean, I think right. that's easy. So we segued a little bit to talk yeah. about your voice in social media and, and how you're very responsible about using it. And I totally appreciate that about you. Um, and I chime in when I can. I wasn't always very responsible about using it. Yeah, you know, that's how you learn to be responsible. You must <laughs> yeah. be irresponsible first. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but let's get back to the bars. So you were about to talk about how they they're they're special and different from each other in different yeah. ways. Um, Williams and Graham opened. I finally said yes to a business plan. Uh, we opened in November 2011. I still to this day like we had we got our ass handed to us for the first like 16 months or so. I mean, we had no idea what we were doing. We we put together a plan, wrote cocktail menus. Um, you know, opened a bar. The bar was, the bar that we opened was, uh, you know, it was everything we wanted it to be. And, you know, we didn't know if anybody in Denver would even care, you know, if anybody would show up. They, we knew our friends were going to show up for the friends and family and the, and the mock services, but we didn't know if the next Friday night, if anybody would be there. And, and we literally ended up getting our asses handed to us with a line out the door for the first 16 months or 18 months of, of that we were open we found our groove in there somewhere and we figured out how to handle the 
handle the rush and, and, the, and the crowd and how to work our waiting list. And I, I drew on a lot of friends in the industry like that had bars that had, you know, that had reservations and waiting lists and to figure out how the hell we could do it. Because, right. you know, we have 65 seats in the room, but we don't stand at anybody in the empty spaces, right? There's always, everybody has a place to, that we can take care of somebody. So that is, you know, that's, that's where we were. We, we kind of figured out wh- where we were at now, probably like two years in, you know, and we, we still tweak. We don't think we, can, we know it all, but it's right. So that's completely different from Occidental, which is op- we opened next door uh, four years later. Um, and, you know, the, the actual the layout of the bar is like if you, you know, it's, it's, it's a mirror image of each other. The, there's a, you know, the bars are on the wall. There's a rail in the middle, and there's a, there's bank, there's a banquet on one and, and booze on the other. It, they, it's like you, you, you know, you just peel them apart, and they, they're, they're mirror images. And, but the bars couldn't be more different, you know. Occidental will fit as many people in the room as we can, um, you know, and I love That's that. That's my style. Yeah. I love that shit. Pack them and, and, you know. Not because of, you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm going to pause here for a second. Not, not because of what we talked about earlier, revenue yeah. or money. Yeah. It's because when a place, for me, when a place is shoulder to shoulder yeah. and everybody's there doing their thing, suddenly, instead of being at your table and at your table and you're at the bar, we're all here together. Right. Like, we're here together. We're fucking doing this together. Right. I and, love and it when the, it's the full. The is amazing. And I love it when it's full. And, you know, I think we actually, when, you know, to go back to Williams and Graham a little bit, at the beginning, you know, the, the concept was to have all seated, right? And I was like, there's going to be no energy in the room. It's going to be flat. Like, I need, we need a space to stand people so that there's movement and there's energy. And so we have this like, community wall down the middle where we start people before we can get them sat. Like a little corral. So it allow, yeah, it allows us to bring them in and stand for a little while, get, you know, get them taken care of, and then move them either seat bar, seats to the bar or a table, depending. We run the floor like that all night long. But that, I think that was a very important step for us. Is we were, we were, I didn't want a boring, staid cocktail bar where nobody is standing Everybody is having private conversations with each other. Nobody interacts. I didn't want that. I'd seen that a ton of times. And, and Those are great. They have yeah, their place. Every, everything 100%. has its place. I uh, always say everything has its seat in the Pantheon. You, just, you, right. don't, have to, you don't have to sit in all the seats. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, but I, I, we saw that you know, I wanted energy in the room. I wanted movement. You know, and to, for that, you needed people standing and, and you know, gesturing and talking. And, and we wanted a buzz in the room. Like a, you know, so we decided to, to you know, keep standing room there. Um, but not have people standing in the empty spaces so people were able to have their own private conversations without somebody screaming over them at the bar their drink order. You know? Different from Occidental, where you know, you're four deep at the bar on, on Friday and Saturday nights, and people are screaming their drink orders everywhere. But that, people know where they are, too. You yeah, know that's the mean? thing here. And they can still, there's a, there's a pretty great cocktail list. You want to drink cocktails, you want to drink beer, you can do whatever you want there. You can, we have all the sports packages, you can watch the game, you can listen to punk rock music. It's, you know, it's, it's I've never, never thought a, a punk rock and sports thing could work together, but it does really well. Outstanding. You know, and it's a New York sports bar in Denver. It makes me happy. Yeah. And then along came American Bonded. Yep. Um, just a year and a half ago. Uh, the actual project, it's funny because the project started in 2015, or so, and the local papers wrote us up as the as the most anticipated bar of 2016. We opened in 2018. <laughs> um, no time slips by. Sometimes. Yeah, we <laughs> bought a, we bought a building. We we had all sorts of zoning issues and and problems with construction, and I still feel like it's on some sort of weird burial ground or something like that. But <clears throat> once we got open, everything everything fell into place. But it, you know, when our actually our opening invitations. Their friends and family said, "You know, please come visit the most anticipated bar of 2016." <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you can't take the piss out of yourself, yeah, no, you got to make. You have to have a sense of humor about yourself. But um, that bar is that bar is is a whiskey whiskey focused bar. It's just a bar for the neighborhood. It's you know, there's there is a, there's a cocktail list. There's there's a great selection of whiskey, but there's a rooftop bar with with frozen drinks and and kind of a kind of a tiki garden theme. More of a garden theme, I think. Tiki, I don't want to use the word tiki there. But it's, you know, and on Friday and Saturday nights, it's, it's, it's nuts to butts in there. You know, I mean, the, the, it's, it's crazy. Thursday and Sundays, we get good crowds and industry and everything. And, and you know, it's also become a place where the, the industry hangs out in the neighborhood, which is always, to me, an indicator that, that you're doing something right. Agreed. You know, at all three bars, we have, we do industry 
specials all you know for people all the time. There's stuff that is constantly 100% always industry. You know, at Occidental it's three dollar three dollar well shots, which is we don't have you know we don't have a cheap well. You know, it's we're serving you know Evan Williams and and uh, Pueblo Viejo, and we're you know we're serving things that that people would be happy to drink. Um, you know, and and one dollar we do Jenny Jenny creams for a dollar. Jenny creams just a throwback to growing up. Jenny in, cream ale. Yeah, Jenny cream ale, man, just throwback <laughs> to to growing up in New Jersey. You know, um, and that was what we could buy cheap. Um, that's amazing that you do that at all the bars. Yeah, um, I kind of do something like that at all my bars. I have a key in the and all the computers is the same key at all the bars. It just says "fuck you, Russer," <laughs> um, making fun of uh, our good friend Russer yeah. Lomax. Uh, um, and it's a three dollar charge, and yeah. we'll, just, we'll make them a drink and charge them three bucks. It's we also do food deals though too. We we do oh, a, right. yeah we do a five five dollar burger and fries, uh, and it's eight dollars burger fries and a shot. You can get burger fries shot and a beer for nine dollars. Man, who what who what bartender getting off work says right. no to that? No, nobody does. Right, and I got I just I got I got a pocket full of cash. And I don't want to spend it all. Yeah, uh, I should go here to a place that's going to welcome me with open arms and serve me a great. That's a fucking happy meal right there. You yeah, just described it's a, it's a it's a bartender happy meal, and and you know we we have we'll you know we have, we'll do it we'll we'll do, we have the the uh, impossible burger the one that's not all gluten it's the there's beyond impossible I forget Heck, one yeah, I know. one's just like basically a wheat burger but we have that if people are vegetarians or vegans and we try and care, take care of everybody everybody we can uh, oh. with it that's amazing so in in a lot of ways you you said when you first opened um, Williams and Graham. Uh, you were you were one of only two cocktail bars in, in town, and now there's quite a few. Yeah, uh, and even some imports, right? Death and Company's yeah, opened up Death over and there. Death Company came in. It's a, an amazing addition to the to the scene. Uh, a place called Green Russell opened eight months before us, and then we opened. Um, there was the Cruise Room, which has now been taken over by Sage Hospitality, um, as part of a hotel that it has been around since right after Prohibition. Um, but, but you there, you effectively sort of cracked the egg, and now everybody's making omelets. Yeah, I mean it's it's crazy. Like, you know, we're the first, we're the first, not too big on on pat my own back or our own backs, you know. But we're the first Denver bar, or we're the first non coastal, non coastal bar to um, be in the world's top fifty. Yeah. Um, you know, in the United States, and and we were we're the only bar in in Denver to win. You know in Colorado ever to, to be nominated for world's best cocktail bar. And I still think we're the first non like secondary market to win uh, best cocktail bar in the country, which is pretty amazing. You know I mean? It's a, that, that and stuff and also is, you took, didn't you take down best bar team as well? Uh, no, we, we were, we nominated, Nommed, okay. we were nominated <laughs> five years in a row, but <laughs> always had, you know, like trick dog and nomad and, Dead rabbit and somebody. There's some, always the heavy hitters in yeah, there, man. Yeah, some some big gargantuan. You know, the, those guys are all talented. It's amazing. You know, I'm, we're lucky to be on the same list. Trust me. Um, but yeah, we got that, and you know, bartender bartender in 2014, and that's it's cool. I think that's also a function of social media. You know, with being constantly present on social media, you know, it's like saying like, pay attention to us here in this in this city. You know, and and people are. I mean, last year it feels like it feels like at least fifty bars that have cocktail focus opened in and around Denver, which is insane. You know, I mean, there's a ton of bars. You, you read the the Westward, which is our local Village Voice Media uh, paper. It it you know it's you look at their openings and openings and closing every every week because they have they they post it and it's it's an amazing amount of restaurants and bars that have opened but people are recognizing the city which is great for us and we yeah. love that and and the flow of people into the city of course people grumble about it they grumble about it in every city i was in, i lived in austin texas for you know for for 10 years or eight, eight and a half nine years and that that grew exponentially while i was there and then i'm seeing this happening again in denver now and Do you think it's you? <laughs> it's just following me. Um, but people are seeing what a great city it is, and and people are moving to it. And there's there's I mean I was we were at a, we saw thirty two cranes in the skyline. Yeah, 32. that's a signal right there, bud. You know, see coming, those cranes. You know, coming what's from you know sitting at this this cocktail bar that's that's on on the top of the hill as that looks out of the city. Thirty two cranes. That's insane. Mm-hmm. But you know, traffic will they'll they'll figure that part out. But it, the fact is, it's a great food and beverage city. 
you know the we have a we have some James Beard award winning chefs we have some some great some great chefs from you know in, in mom and pop places there um, there's it pretty much runs the gamut and the and the bar scene has kind of followed that as well it always will like, yeah th- those are the steps right there yeah. it's food first then drink right yeah I think and, that's super common yeah and and you know it's it's the best thing about for me for Denver is the the bar scene grew up in the culinary scene you know I, I we all grew up in learning from our chefs like knife skills we had you know when I was back at Steuben's in 2005 2006 2007 our our chef was teaching us how to cut how to use a knife how to you know how to do our how to do our garnishes correctly you know all those kind of things we worked I worked with him on recipes and sat down you know in the years before the flavor bible he was my flavor bible right. like you know I, I I spoke to him all the time about you know what what combinations we can do what's great together and and that was important. And a lot of the bar, the bar owners now that are bartenders in Denver, a lot of them came up in the culinary scenes working alongside chefs. So they had an idea about flavor. They had an idea about that stuff. Didn't start with, you know, just thinking about your, your spirit first. Started thinking about overall flavor first yep. and composition and how you're going to get there. You know, the, the spirit is something that got pulled in, pulled in here and there. You right, know, to achieve the, the goal. Yeah. Uh, pretty amazing, and you know, uh, I'm embarrassed to say I haven't been to any of your shops, but I will rectify that. I'm going to make a promise to you right now. I'll guarantee you within one year I'll come to all three. So we're not going to sit down here next year and, and have you say that again? Nope. Okay. Uh, so let's talk about here then, where it tells the cocktail. You're here with Liquid Productions, which I don't even know your role with them. You just, you just hang with them? What's yeah, going I just, on? you know, I just hang out with the guys, and we batch and, and coordinate events. Um, Liquor Productions is, you know, it, it started by Andy Seymour, who yep. I've worked with, with AKA Wine Geek before that. Um, you know, one of the first few companies doing large scale events for brands, um, around the country. Um, and you know, we kind of, Andy and Andy and I became pretty close pretty fast. You know, he's, he's one of my closest friends, if not my closest friend right now. And, and it's, it's, it's just, we work together so organically, the whole crew. Like we don't even we we don't have titles, you know. We we get the we we get the um, we get the assignments, we get the we get the events, we get the gigs, and then we we just execute. You know, there's no ego involved in the whole thing, even though it'd be really easy to to have some. But you know, me me Jacques Zedenhut, uh I can say it, yeah. Um, Zedenhut. <laughs> Tyler Hudgens, Leo DeGroff. You know, obviously Andy Seymour, Kathy Rimmer, like our core crew, um, you know, we all work together so well. And, and on site, it just feels great. You know, we have people that work with us pretty regularly, Holly Booth and Jason Patz. And, you know, it's kind of, it's just, it's very, very organic. So there's, there's, no, um, there's no egos and there's, it, everything's easy to happen on site. And we kind of all fall into our place. You know, we, we run our little sections of the, of the event and then it all comes together. Yeah, I, I got, um, I got to, There's a lot of organization. Leo DeGroff is an, is an incredibly organized, very strange but organized person. I make fun of him all the time yeah. for how organized he is, he is in all that work. And he's then, a, he's then when you hang out with him, he's like, just like some dopey dude. He's, he's, <laughs> he's, so, he's so incredibly intelligent. It's it, it blows my mind sometimes the, the way his mind operate it operates in a strange way but it, you know his solutions to things and logistically and and you know logistically and organizationally he's 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 incredible yeah and I'm lucky to be, lucky to be able to work with him and lucky to be able to drink with him afterwards too um, although you know I think he he goes a little harder than I do it. You know, or long. You know, I'm. I'm now. I get to use, at 50. You get to use the old man excuse. Like yeah, I've been I gotta using get, it a lot. I gotta go get my sleep. Yeah, I've been using it a lot. <laughs> He's still young enough to be to be throwing down till till late hours of the night. But we do. You know, we do. We we have a a consultancy with um, Live Nation. We've been working with doing cocktails for doing cocktails for um, general concessions in all of their amphitheaters. It's 62 amphitheaters across the United States. Um, I've been spearheading that one. Um, and, and, you know, I just did, I did cocktails for Wiz Khalifa last week and we're going to do some backstage bars for their tour. And, Amazing. you know, this, I, it's cool because my love for live music, I used to play in bands when I was, when I was younger, um, you know, kind of gets, bring the two together, which is to me incredible. You know I mean? I, I get to go, I mean, I don't get to choose the shows I go to. <laughs> Unfortunately, sometimes they're not ones I want to see. Um, but you but know, even seeing a show, you don't necessarily care about the the artist. You you, right. you get to see like the whole behind the because you're behind the scenes. Yeah, yeah you get to see like how it's all put together. Yeah, we get to see that's what, fascinating. No matter what, what happens with you know what happens with artist management, how that whole how the whole stage comes together in a day is pretty amazing. Yeah, and how it gets broken down. Like watching that whole thing, I just want to 
time lapse it. It's pretty amazing what they what they go through and how how it gets done. But also like you know producing producing cocktails and food for sixty thousand people at a time or twenty thousand people or whatever it is 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 fun to watch. And you know we do it because we also do Life Is Beautiful every year um, as a as a team. I don't know what and that is. Life Is Beautiful is a music is a music festival in Las Vegas that goes. It's it's in. It's over three nights. It's eight blocks downtown in Vegas. They, they close them off, and there's stages all over. Uh, I think there's like ten stages total, um, three main stages and a bunch of ancillary stages around. And uh, we get there's 40 bars, 200 bartenders, and we do cocktails. You know, we do probably about 20 different cocktails a year, and and sell. You know, I think last year last year we batched 75,000 cocktails or so. Holy shit! Yeah, just for that event. Just just for that event, and Holy just this, just the crew of people I just I just talked about. That's you know we it's a the production the the production room the tent that they that they give us i mean we just there's a system that just rolls and rolls and rolls and we're making you know somebody's got to work in distribution somebody's got to work in production somebody's got to work in in logistics and somebody's got to get out there and get on the golf carts and check on all the bars and make sure they're doing what we need to do there's training there's it's a it's an amazing it's a huge undertaking i mean we we start talking about it in april we just got some recipes now for September, but right. you know that, that stuff has to happen way in advance. What is it that made you say to yourself, "I want to be involved in a thing that makes seventy-five thousand cocktails"? <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I think at once, at once, yeah, <laughs> I've, I've as, made seventy-five thousand. As much probably as my I whole love, career, you know, the individual cocktail and and being at a bar and taking care of people right in front of you, the ability to bring what we do to a massive, a massive audience. And, and kind of share like that that thing mainstreaming is really exciting to me. I know everybody wants this like everybody in our industry wants to talk about these like individual bespoke bespoke cocktails all the time and that stuff is amazing. Like I said, every has has its place. My bars do it. It's the way it is. But the ability to do that with in volume like this is pretty crazy. The challenge of getting it done and and what we put ourselves through it's almost like you know we go to we go to war together you know i mean it's the we the sitting around at the end of every night after after that kind of day of work is the drinks taste so much better yeah <laughs> you well know earned yeah the gin and soda that we're sitting sitting in a casino drinking when we're at the end of a night in vegas is is the best tasting gin and soda you ever you have ever have you know i mean and i've i've spent my life trying to find tribes i think like i told you before like I, I was as a as a child I didn't have a ton of friends. I was always seeking people's friendship and seeking people's approval and and I realize that now as an adult that unconsciously through most of my life I was trying to find tribes, you know, mm-hmm. find something to be a part of that I that was just part of a greater thing. And and liquid productions is a special it's a special thing for me. It's not again the business is great, the money the money making part is a part of it, but when we all get to come together in one space and, and we get to see it magically happen, it's, it's amazing to me. And it, and it really, I love it. I love every second of it. I love, you know, I love even the challenging parts. Somebody yesterday, um, somebody dumped all of our juice in the morning. What? Yeah, they got left. They told us we could leave it in a, in a walk-in. The kitchen staff came in and dumped all of our juice because it was in their way. And, you know, we had to scramble around and the day started very difficultly, you know, in a very difficult way. And, I was driving all over town yesterday, picking up this and that, and our team, we had our team here. It was all very well coordinated. You know, we recovered from it. I mean, imagine that. You know, you're about to have this huge party, you know, and all of your juice gets dumped, you know, all of it. And, wow. and you're, you know, you have, to, you have to get it figured out, and, and we figured it out. And nobody, nobody on the team is, there's no sky is falling. Right. You know, it's like, how can we, what, what can we do? Somebody's going to Restaurant Depot, picking up fruit. We're breaking out the sun kiss that we brought with us just in case, yeah. you know, and we're, we're making it happen. Yeah. And we still finished on time last night. You know, we we're out of here at nine o'clock and, and able to go, you know, enjoy a little bit of New Orleans. Like organizationally this year, it's amazing because we've had time. Yeah, you know, to, to yeah, usually I don't out. really see you much. Yeah, to even have you sit down with me for this long seems like a yeah. lot. Somebody, somebody said to me, you know, somebody said to me a few years ago, and it was a year after I won Bartender of the Year, and it was like 2015. They're like, you don't have to do this back of house stuff anymore. You should be front. You know, you should be up front. And I was, I thought about that. I was like, but I, I love this so much. Yeah. Like this is, this is great to be able to like have all these bartenders come in and have this great experience, and you know, be able to take care of my peers, our peers is so i mean it's it's 
it's a it's a joyful feeling that I can I can hardly translate. You know, yeah. like like it's it's great to take care of your guests every day, but when you can take care of the people that work hard behind bars all year long and see how happy they are and what they're doing and all the high fives and and the whole the whole thing, that's it's it's a lot of joy. It's it's fun to do. Yeah, amazing. Um, well, listen, we're getting towards the end here. Um, should probably wrap it up. I really appreciate all the time you sat down with me. If you wanted people to get in touch with you, what's the best way to do that? To talk to, to talk to you about anything? Um, I mean, I don't. I email is a, is a is a great way. I, I'm not shy about giving away my email address for you know for for contact. It's just Sean at bluecollarcocktails.com. Sean is S E A N. Um, and I think that you know that that reaching out to me through social media channels, I, I you know. It, uh, through the direct message there, if anybody w- ever wants to get on that, it's Sean Kenyon thirteen on Instagram and Sean Kenyon on Twitter. I was on Twitter early enough that I actually got my own name. Yeah, nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I'll post uh, all the uh, all your handles to the bars as well uh, for our uh, Speakeasy Podcast Great. Instagram, and so people will see all those things too. Um, once again, man, really appreciate you sitting down and taking so much time for me. You're a very thoughtful person, and um, uh, I definitely have had a lot of respect for you over the years, and, and anytime I get to hang out with you, I feel very grateful. Thank you so much. Well, the, the respect's been mutual, Southern. It's, a, it's an honor to sit down with you, man. I really appreciate it. Uh, thanks, bud. Love you, brother. All right. Cheers, guys. Uh, tune in to next week's episode of The Speakeasy. That's all we've got this week from Tales of the Cocktail 2019 in New Orleans. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The For listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to learn more about our 10-year anniversary celebration happening all year long, subscribe to our newsletter. Just enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.